welcome to episode 297 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was recorded on Monday, 23rd of May, 2022. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. Thanks, David. I'm Carlton Reed, and welcome to The Spokesman. This episode is 35 minutes or so with Anders Roth of the Swedish Environmental Institute. He has just handed the Swedish government with recommendations from the Climate Law Inquiry. Now, Anders was secretary of that inquiry and worked with a team of six on the Radical for Some recommendations, including boosting bicycling and, critically, reducing car use through the removal of parking spaces and the radical, definitely radical for some, pruning back of national road building. I began by asking Anders to introduce himself. Well, I'm a mobility expert at the IBL, the Swedish Environmental Research Organization or Institute. So, and, and I have been part-time working for the, this climate law inquiry for since last autumn. So when, when they appointed you, wouldn't they know pretty much what you're going to say? Uh, yeah, I think so, because me and my colleague, we wrote them a report of uh, suggestions for what they could focus on for the next part of their inquiry. And apparently they found that uh, quite good because then they asked me to join them. So I, I guess they knew pretty much what I was going to focus on. So it's no, it's no surprise what you've, what you've come up with. Then, no, it's no surprise. But all, also, it's, I must say that this is the part of the investigation. We are a team and it's not really my suggestions. It's uh, the person that leads the investigation, the inquiry. And that was the former head of the, what do you say, Landstyrelsen, the Landshövding in Swedish. Well, is that Anders Danielsson? Yeah, that's right. Yes, right. So he was the governor of uh, Vastra Gotland. Yeah. County. Yeah, that's right. So you, you're basically the secretariat. You're the, the, the person behind the scenes. Yeah, we, we were six of, of us doing the work in different fields here. And the, the million dollar question is, you, you've come up with these recommendations, but does the government have to implement them? No, they don't. They can do whatever they want. And, and also this inquiry was really, what you say, uh, they asked for this inquiry when the government looked different, when we have different uh, parties or political parties in the government. So this government... Uh, we are not sure if, if they are fond of, of all the suggestions. Of course, you never know that because the procedure is that you, uh, the government send this inquiry for a, 
out to a lot of uh, other organizations and companies for to hear their view and when they get their answers they decide what to do with the suggestions that we come up with that's a normal procedure for inquiries in sweden you you said that that the the complexion of the politics has changed in Sweden, but when it was originally brought in, it was you know seven out of eight parties agreed on this to have this inquiry. Well, I guess that that was seven of eight. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Can you give me a, 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 a brief introduction to your main findings and, and, and what you say Sweden is going to have to do if it's going to be carbon neutral? I've been focused on transport issues, so that's what I'm, I'm going to tell you here. But the, the main point of our inquiry is that we have to focus stronger on, on steering towards a transport-efficient society. Today we have a lot of politics and measures for uh, introducing electric vehicles, and that's important. We also have strong measures for biofuels in, into the transport sector, and that's also important but that's not enough and if you try to introduce too much of biofuels you will do that in a non what you say uh, it won't be uh, good enough on a global scale you will have a lot of sustainable problems with that so you have to have a you know a policy that takes down the the need of of fuels in the beginning and that's what's lacking I would say in Sweden for a long time we need better policies for transport efficient society with uh, measures that takes down the um, you say the demand for for transport in the first place so in other countries and, and um, I guess in in, in in Sweden also there's there's, a, there's been over the last five ten years there's, there's been a big push to get bike lanes to get you know better walking facilities put in but in your in your yeah. view do you think that's almost no good unless you also stop motoring being quite so efficient so if 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 you are, if you build loads of bike paths and if you build loads of pedestrian infrastructure that that seems to yeah. be fantastic but if you don't also at the same time reduce the amount of motoring the facilities you build for active travel will not work. Well, they will not work as good as you think. So you often need, a, what do you say, a package of measures where you have both carrot and stick. And that is something that the, uh, what do you say, the transport uh, research is quite, uh, it's a lot of result that points on that. And that's what we point out also in our inquiry. For example, we have this with uh, extended urban environmental agreements where we think this could work excellent, where you have uh, the state goes in with money and support, as you say, public transport and bike lanes and other things that uh, enables people to change travel mode. But on the same hand, you, you need also restriction measures for car traffic. Otherwise, you won't get the same effect from it. So that's a main mesh, what do you say, point from our inquiry also. You need both stick and carrot. And therefore, it's important that we have national measures and, uh, and they, that we have goals that says that it's not okay for car traffic to 
to increase all the time and we shouldn't plan for that. That's what we do today and that's that's wrong to do that. And and what about road building? Where does road building come into that? Well, if you plan for car traffic and uh, also lorry traffic to increase all the time, then it will be more economical, viable from a from a what you say socio-economical view to build more roads, and therefore we if as we suggest in the inquiry that you shouldn't plan for that, you should plan for a decrease in traffic instead. You won't get as many road projects, uh, they won't get beneficial from a society point of view anymore. So you won't build them. You will, and you, uh, you have money that you could do other things for instead that will be better for the climate. Correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Sweden have lots of private roads and could communities um own own their roads and they can they can do things with their roads that in other countries they couldn't do is that correct yeah but that's small roads really so that's not um, <laughs> that's not a big thing the big roads are really controlled and built and uh, say maintained by the state the big roads have to be fed into by the little roads so could there be more small communities, for instance, yeah. maybe take the recommendations you're making and actually restrict on their... Do you, do you see any future for restrictions on not just the national major roads, but also uh, the more local roads? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think this will, on the other hand, be an opportunity for smaller roads that they can get more money for uh, for measures that could be beneficial for a more active travel. For example, we have roads on the countryside that are quite dangerous to bike on because there are no side space for bikes or walking. So it's it feels very unsecure un to bike or walk there. And if you then build them, you take money from the big roads to the small roads, you could you could improve the possibilities for active travel on the countryside. So I, I see, on the other hand, a, a better future for small roads here. And I think that's important also from an acceptance point of view, because often you end up with measures in the cities and you perhaps for, tend to forget the countryside. And then you get the big problems when you when the tr energy prices go up and fuel get more expensive you get sort of the yellow <laughs> you know <laughs> problems with the acceptance among people living on the countryside because sweden does have a very high number of electric cars yeah uh well we have a high number of new sales of electric cars but still uh, the total number of electric cars is low and that's also what we say e even if we uh, have a high sale, new sale of electric cars. Still in in 2030, most of the vehicle kilometer driven will be non-electric, and that's why the well, we have to do all things to get sustainable here. Now, I know this is a, almost an impossible question for for you to answer uh, politically, but because you 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 kind of mentioned at the beginning there that that there has been this change in in political complexion in, in, in Sweden. However, w in your gut, w what do you think will happen 
with your recommendations. Do you think they will be put into law and actually carried out? Well, of course, I hope they will, because otherwise I and me and my colleagues wouldn't be involved in this inquiry. But uh, really, I don't know. We're going for an election year this year. So I, I think at least I hope there will be a, a, a good debate and discussion about that, because we need this to get sustainable. We can't just go on on two legs for the transition. We, we need the transport efficiency side as well. So do you think that, that the climate law inquiry will be very difficult for politicians to, to argue against? Or could they just not argue against it, but just completely ignore it and, and, and like sweep it under the carpet? Well, that could be a case, but I, I hope not it, it will happen. But really, I don't know. We will see. And uh, well, I will try and my colleagues will try to to discuss this and try to explain why we have these recommendations. And I know there's a other researchers and organizations as well that, that have wanted these suggestions for a long time. And at least I think that there are some suggestions here in our inquiry that are perhaps have a broader what is it, acceptance to be, and that perhaps is hopeful, I think. Would it, would it be correct in saying that because of the, the, the kind of energy that you have in, in Sweden, that transport, maybe compared to other countries, is actually more important uh, a component of, of reducing um, carbon emissions than, than other sectors? So in Sweden, this is much more important than perhaps in other countries. Yeah, you, I think you're right there, because we transport stands for a big part of our climate missions in Sweden. So therefore, it's much in focus. And how how I, big a part, Anders? Uh, I beg your pardon? How, what, what's the percentage? How, how important is uh, It's about one third of the climate emissions comes from transport, or right. a little bit more, even. Putting putting your like you're sucking your finger and, and putting it up in the air to see, you know, where the wind's blowing from. Do you see this being popular do you see the climate law inquiries findings to be something that most people in sweden will say yes we should be doing this i mean i'm, I'm thinking of things like you know the the, the flight shame yeah. you know movement which 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 yeah. which started with you and 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 has spread around the world mm. um and you know to get more long distance train travel instead of flying so it, it i'm assuming that these measures are probably going to be more likely to be popular in Sweden than perhaps in other places. Again, is that, is that, is that fair to say that? Am I putting words in your mouth there? Uh, no, I'm not sure about that because uh, so far we haven't seen uh, the same movement about car travel as, as we had with the flight chain. Mm. So I think there still could be, well, it's, it's not that easy to implement such measures. But on the other hand, I know when, when we see, uh, um, uh, when, when you ask people in different cities in Sweden what they think about car restrictions, generally they are not, there is a majority for car restrictions if you just do them in a, in a proper way. But the debate tends to sometimes be 
dominated about uh, or from interests that are perhaps not that general. So it's it's an important measure for the politics to to have measures that are what you say uh, pro that are reflecting all of the people, even the those that are not here in the debate. I would say. Mm. So you, you don't see a movement just yet for car shame. So you've had flight shame was very successful. You yeah. don't see car shame. No, I haven't seen that yet. Well, I'm not sure you need really need the car shame movement either, but you need a better understanding for why actually we can't just drive more and think that's okay. But what, what is, why, why wouldn't there be a movement for car shame? Why, why would flight shame uh, take off, in effect, take off so well compared to, why is that crazy? Why is, why is thinking car shame is crazy, whereas flight shame isn't crazy? Well, actually, we have talked a lot about driving less for, I would say, 30 years in Sweden. <laughs> we have campaigns about this, different cities have worked with this. So it's if you ask people, uh, is it good for environment to drive less? I think most say yes. But on the other hand, to to point back to yourself and say, well, should I do it as well? Well, that's step two, and we are not really <laughs> at that stage yet. But perhaps we will soon. I'm I really don't know. <laughs> hmm. Let's let's circle back to you again. Anders, um, where we came in. So, mobility expert, what what has your your research been about? What, what explain explain your your research background? Well, we have done, uh, and me, ha I have been involved also in a lot of projects. For example, about parking uh, and mm. the importance of parking policies to steer traffic and to promote uh, mobility services as public transport and and uh, also car sharing. So that is one of my field. Also, my colleagues have been quite into infrastructure planning and uh, why infrastructure planning from the national uh, level is often in a, what do you say, collision with the local planning and local goals from cities and municipalities so that is two fields and uh, i used to be also the environmental manager for the second city for the traffic authority in the second city in sweden so i've been responsible for for example a congestion charging scheme in gothenburg in parking policy scheme environmental zone scheme and some other uh, works as well and I worked a lot with also environmental vehicles, biofuels, and and so on. So, well, I have a quite a broad field of experience. I would say from thirty three years of of this in this field now. Hey, everyone! Excuse the interruption, but this is David from the Fredcast and the Spokesman. I just want to take a few moments out of the show to talk to you about our sponsor. Turn Bicycles at www.turnbicycles.com. That's T-E-R-N, like the bird, turnbicycles.com. Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. And today, I want to tell you about their new quick haul e-bike. 
The Quick Haul is a compact e-bike, and it's it's optimized to make life in the city just a little bit easier, a little bit more convenient, and a lot more fun. It's a compact e-bike, and it's going to handle most of your daily trips around town. It's rated to a hefty 150 kilos, or for those of us Americans, 330-pound max gross vehicle weight. And it's got an ecosystem of modular accessories. This is really cool, by the way so that it can be customized for any job. Different setups are going to help you carry a load of cargo, maybe an extra passenger, and that could be a small adult, a child, or even your dog or cat. Now, despite its longer wheelbase and its hefty cargo capacity, it's shorter than a regular bike. It's a compact design, plus it's got 20-inch wheels, and that makes the quick haul easier to maneuver on urban streets or maybe even in transit hubs like train stations or bus depots or even ferry terminals. It also includes Turn's vertical parking feature, which is really cool, so that you can just roll the bike into a small elevator or park it in a corner of your apartment. Now, the quick haul is also shareable by literally everyone in the family. It's equipped with an adjustable seat post and stem so that it can fit riders from 160 to 195 centimeters or 5 foot 3 to 6 foot 5, but it also fits riders 145 to 180 centimeters, which is 49 to 5 foot 11 when you put on the shorter seat post. Now, Josh Hahn who is turned teen captain and also somebody both Carlton and I have known personally for a very long time. Don't ask me and Josh how long we've known each other. Josh is serious about ensuring the safety of turns bikes and its riders. So that's why he and his team ensure that every turn bike is designed and independently tested to ensure rider safety. That's why they use respected independent testing labs, and why they source their motors, their drivetrains, and their batteries from German industrial powerhouse Bosch. It, it just doesn't get much better than that. So for more information about the Quick Haul or any of Turn's wide range of bikes, just head on over to turnbicycles.com. That's T-E-R-N bicycles.com. We thank Turn for their sponsorship of the Spokesman podcast, and we thank you for your support of turn and also for allowing this brief interruption of the show. Now back to Carlton and the spokesman. So other cities are catching up, uh, maybe to, to, to your experience, like Paris yeah. famously is now catching up. And, and one of their biggest uh, ways of catching up is restricting parking spaces. Yeah. Uh, do you see that as something that that'll be successful? If you restrict parking, all the other modes go up. Yeah, parking is definitely one of the most important uh, tools that you have as a city. You have a, uh, you, what do you say, your mandate is big on parking for most cities and it has a, a great potential to really shift modes if you do it in a good way. And also, it's not just shifting modes, you could all also take down the, uh, the ownership of cars in the cities and that is also important from an environmental point of view and also from a, a city point of view to use the this to say the space in the city in a better way and actually we have new new actors in this it's not just the 
the municipality that works this, this, but also property owners that see that they understand that parking is something that could be beneficial for them if they not have to build too many expensive parking lots. Hmm. Mm. And what about bike lanes? What what what's Sweden doing in in the, in the building of hard infrastructure for for cyclists? People well, uh, mostly in cities, I would say, and uh, some cities working quite well with this. We have, for example, Uppsala and Malmö, that is good biking cities in Sweden. So um, I would say that biking is on a um, not perhaps steep, but nevertheless upgoing trend. But because Uppsala has been very pro-cycling for many years, isn't yeah. it? That's like, it's laced with cycleways, Uppsala. Yeah, they are good. They are working with this. But also you see the, the general trend that young people tend not to, to bike that much anymore. And so, well, you, you have good results in some cities, but also on the countryside, perhaps you see that people bike less. So... Well, it, it's not something that is happening just by itself all over Sweden. Is that is that partially because of? I mean, you've 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 obviously got a, a slightly more severe climate than, as in weather, uh, certainly compared to, to to the UK. So a car is comfortable, has a roof, yeah. air conditioning. You know, you're comfortable year round. Public transport also, you have a roof, climate conditioning yeah. year round. Uh, bicycling and walking you're open to the elements so is that one of the reasons why it's not popular just maybe the weather well it could be one reason but it, it's not all of the answer because if you look at different cities with the different um, circumstances as weather we can find both cities in sweden and finland that has a very tough climate but still a, a good promote a good share of people that taking the bike so it's it's other factors that really will make the difference if you do it attractive enough so the netherlands doesn't really have a car industry you know there are no yeah. major car manufacturers in the netherlands and that's that's often yeah. touted as perhaps one of the reasons why uh They've been able to have a, a, a relatively successful, or very successful, yeah. uh, bicycling yeah. culture, and uh, whereas Sweden does have a car industry, yeah. a very famous car industry. Yeah. How much of of the recommendations that you're making um, will actually get um, a kickback from the car industry? Mentioning no names uh, in, yeah. in, in Sweden. Well. I don't know. That uh, remains to be seen still from, from our suggestions. But, uh, well, it, it, they are, uh, the car industry in Sweden, they have a strong influence of the national politics, no doubt about that. But still, I think many cities and municipalities, they are not that affected of, of the car industry. So they could, they are free and could, well, do their own policies without being affected by the car industry. So it's more into, I would say, what the local politics in cities really decide that matters. Mm. Yeah, I've talked to lots of people um, in, in your kind of position, 
around the yeah. world in, in which that that's a very frequent um point in that you know we, we often talk about national policies yeah yet in fact it's it's municipal policies which are yeah. the thing that makes the difference however i always bring it back and we have to we did kind of touch on this earlier is that always leaves the countryside the rural areas yeah. out yeah. because they tend to be much more conservative yeah. much more car focused yeah. And you can't then you can you can cycle, you can walk, you can have good public transport in cities, which is great for people who live in cities. Yeah. But you go outside of those cities and the conditions become incredibly bad very quickly. So how yeah. how can how can lo local areas um, benefit from what cities are, are very much now at the forefront of? Well, I think we have some projects at, at my work where we try to implement different mobility service on the countryside in connection with the public transport, because it, it's expensive to have public transport services on the countryside where not many people travel. But if you can do that in a more efficient way and, and at the same time do give people better possibilities, I think that could be one way. And as I described earlier, we had this with extended urban environment agreements. We have a project where we try, try to have something that we called uh, rural environmental agreements instead, where we try to focus on both uh, mobility services, but also like having your distant office uh, promoted in a way that gives you a, a chance to have a better way to have handle your day-to-day -day going to work situation and, and local services so i i fully agree we have to do uh, projects and make steps forward on the countryside as well otherwise there will be a big problem for general policies as well and what i said about the car industry of, of course we had policies that have been affected by the car industry for example, we have the, uh, uh, what do you say, you could have a company car with the tax deduction in mm. Sweden. And that has been beneficial, of course, for the car industry. But that has recently been, uh, uh, you know, actually, they changed that in, in from the environmental point of view, good way in the latest year. So it's not that beneficial anymore. Mm -hmm. But, but still, you could have countries without uh, car industry that have policies that uh, promote owning and driving cars. And Norway mm -hmm. is a good example of that, where we have enormous of money put into if you buy a, an electric car. And actually, there are investigations done that shows that before 2018, one third of electrical cars bought in Norway wasn't replacing a, a, a diesel or gasoline car that was just uh, increasing the what you say the car ownership in Norway so instead of sitting in the bus you bought an electric car and used the bus lane with your electrical car making problems for the bus that you used to travel with so that is some, something that we try to uh, talk about and make research about that you you have to think of policies that at this, uh, that could both uh, stimulate new technology introduction but without having those negative effects of increasing car demand and, and, and that, that's a problem for the politics to have those 
two minds <laughs> or two things in mind at the same time. How about stimulating electric bikes and electric cargo bikes? That's that seems to be working in many many places around the world. When you when you give the yeah. same kind of incentives as you give to e cars, electric cars to e bikes, that leads to basically the programs very very quickly um reach a capacity because people really really want these things yeah we i agree and we've seen that in sweden also from this research that actually you you do uh, you have quite astonishing uh, results where you you have a new travel with an electrical bike and you replace car travel but some years ago we had a premium for that in sweden actually and that was a big political debate and there was a lot of discussion about this was really useless money uh, and i think that could be something actually deep below the swedish i don't really know but that was a strange debate i think anyway because there wasn't any results that this was bad so it was more like an instinct debate, I would say. You can't really give cyclists money for biking. That's ridiculous. Many people thought that. And I thought that debate was strange. Is, is the recommendation in your report to, to have electric bike subsidy? Uh, we haven't gone into that, actually. We have just some questions that we focus on. But, well, we do that recommendation in other, what do you say, uh, suggestions and reports. Mm. Okay. So the, the, the inquiry had to make its recommendations about a week ago, is that right? Yeah. And that now it goes, it, it basically gets presented to the government and they then, do they officially publish it and say this is our policy? Or is, what, what, what's the progress for it after, after it was handed in? Yeah, we we handed in to the climate and environmental uh, secretary last week, and they will look at it. And I think they will wait for another inquiry as well that also touches on the same subjects, not transport issues, but other issues that we had on in our inquiry. And then they will send this out. I don't know, we call it remiss in Sweden. They will send it out to a lot of other organizations to hear what the, the broader society in Sweden thinks of our suggestions. And after that, they will, they will look at the answers and they will decide what will happen, what suggestions they will put in for the uh, parliament for a new laws. Mm. And Anders, how, how radical are your recommendations? Well, I think on a scale from one to ten, I would say seven, eight, perhaps. Some of the recommendations are, I would say, quite radical to the policy that we uh, have today, but uh, they are not, they have been long discussed among people working with this, so they are not too radical from, uh, I would say, the the general discussion among uh, scientists and people working with this. 
but they are quite changing the, the policy that we have today. So in that case, you could call them a bit radical, perhaps. Perhaps not radical, that's, I, know, I don't know if that's the right word, but they are changing the, the policy that we have in a, in a quite distinct way, I would say. Thanks to Anders Ruff there for an English language summary of the recommendations Anders and uh, his crew made in the Swedish Climate Law Inquiry. Go to the-spokesmen.com. And this has been episode 297 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast, brought to you in association with Turn Bicycle. Thanks for listening and watch out for the next two Dutch-themed episodes popping up in your feed real soon. Meanwhile, get out there and ride.